Hello and welcome to the Movie Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Tartamella, and welcome back uh, for those repeat listeners. Thank you for coming back. I haven't been here in a little bit. Um, I think the last episode I did was before Thanksgiving, and I did none other than Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, the the trailer uh, that the film was based on from the Grindhouse film from back in the day. Uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. I had a lot of fun with that movie. Uh, and how is everybody doing? I hope you're doing good. I hope your Thanksgiving was jolly and festive and all that fun stuff. I'm sitting here with a big... <laughs> basically, speaking of the holidays... Hear that? I'm sitting here like fucking Santa Claus, all chubby. I got a beard. I got some hot cocoa that my wife just made me. Like I'm a 10-year-old boy uh, coming in after playing in the snow for hours. And I'm sitting here, and I just went to the movies. And we're going to talk a little bit about a holiday movie. I'm going to do two movies, if you've seen on the title. Because I fell a little behind, and I did recently see two movies that I pretty much enjoyed. And uh, the first one being The Holdovers. And then I'm going to get into Dream Scenario, the new Nicolas Cage film. I think it hit theaters today. I just got out of the theater. Uh, the Holdos, Holdovers has been out for a little bit. Uh, it looked interesting, and then I just didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, but it has that kind of holiday vibe in it. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Holdovers. But yeah, we're in the uh, we're in the month of November still as a time of recording. But tomorrow is December 1st, so we are going to be into the December season, uh, the Christmas season, and maybe I'll do a Christmas movie or two, I'll see if I have the time, if uh, it allows uh, me to do it, but anyway, let's get into the first movie, so The Holdovers, uh, this is a film starring Paul Giamatti, uh, Divine, Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa, and this is a film that, as I said, Kind of got a good, a good holiday movie, let's say, a good Christmassy uh, film, because it is set during Christmas. It is set during the Christmas break at a boarding school, a New England boarding school, and um, the cool thing about this movie, that I'll tell you right off the bat, is it's got a very, it's set in the 70s, so it's set in 1970, and it's got a very 1970s aesthetic, uh, you know, mid-70s, kind of early-80s aesthetic, and it feels like a movie from that time. Even watching the movie, uh, the way they shot it, now I'm not sure if it was actually shot on film, and I'm not going to do my research, but it it felt, it felt like a movie that was shot at that time. Even down to the trailers, if you've seen any of the trailers, they're very uh, 70s, and and I like that about this movie. I, I It's a very stripped movie. Uh, it's basically about uh, the holdovers. Not that I've been mistitling this the leftovers sometimes when I talk about it, but I'm going to try not to do that. Um, that's a show. I think that was a show. But uh, the holdovers is basically about you know boarding school that during Christmas break they have a few students that get you know left behind. They don't have anything to do with maybe family, and they stay behind at the school. There's usually somebody supervising them. Uh, that job goes in this film to Paul Giamatti, who's kind of like this old teacher, this kind of bitter teacher, and uh, some some fun antics ensue, because, uh, you know, our main kid, played by Dominic Sessa, as I said, you know, he's kind of like a troublemaker, he's kind of, he looked familiar, 
this kid, and I'm I'm honestly looking at him. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. It doesn't seem like he's in anything else. Which, but he looked familiar. He does a good job. That's the thing about this cast. It's it's mainly led by these three. Um, the other one being uh, Divine Joy Randolph, and they they got great chemistry. All three of them. There's a nice heart story going on here. But the cool thing about this is there's also a lot of laughs in this movie. You know, there's a lot of uh, good stuff. It's a perfect kind of little holiday movie. It's sweet. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit sappy at times. But I think it's something that at this time of year, we like watching, right? We like to fucking maybe get a little emotional. We like to watch it. It's about, it's like a little over two hours. And uh, it's an R-rated movie, but it's honestly, uh, it's not like a hard R or anything like that. There's some adult language and shit like that, but you could watch this with some family members, some younger family members. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it's directed by Alexander Payne, who's done a bunch of films. He's done um, Election, About Schmidt, Sideways, Descendants, Nebraska, Downsizing. This is his newest film. He didn't write this which some of his uh, earlier titles he did write, but this is, as I said, just a simple kind of throwback movie, heartwarming little film that I I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy. I don't know how it's doing box office-wise. I have been seeing uh, some talk about it on Twitter and stuff like that, that people who have seen it obviously enjoyed it. I think, because it's been out for, let me see when it came out. It actually came out, well, it came out October 27th. I didn't even realize. So it's been out for like a month now. And it just went to streaming as well. Like you could rent it around on Amazon Prime, Vudu, all that stuff. So it's there uh, at your fingertips to watch for the holiday season. I think it's a it's a good movie, as I said. Can't stress enough. A throwback. Just feels like an older movie. Got a lot of uh, sweet moments. Good soundtrack, too. I like the soundtrack. I gotta look up who did... Well, the music was by Mark Orton. Now, I don't know. Yeah. Composed by Mark Orton. In addition to several Christmas songs. The Allman Brothers Band. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Good stuff. Uh, you know, music from that time period. Obviously, Paul Giamatti is a fucking guy. who He does... He's just a great guy to watch. Uh, I'm a big fan of Paul Giamatti. And he's, you know, he really hasn't done any bad movies. He's popped up forever. Obviously, one of his early movies, um, he popped up and was uh, Private Parts back in the day. The Howard Stern movie. And he's he's great in that as well. But anything he's in, he's he's great. If he does a little more comedic stuff, he does serious. He's just so believable in, you know, everything he's in. And I mean, the worst thing I've probably seen him in, it wasn't even really... It was that, like, Amazing Spider-Man two, I think, at the end, and he pop up in the fucking rhino costume, and he was all, like, talking with a Russian accent, not knocking his performance, uh, you know, probably what he was given, uh, he also played Fred Claus, uh, not Fred Claus, I'm sorry, he also, he also played Santa Claus in that movie, Fred Claus, with Vince Vaughn, which I don't think I ever watched it, to be honest, maybe I'll check it out this year, it's his, tis the season to watch a Paul Giamatti, Vince Vaughn Christmas, uh, Vince Vaughn Christmas movie, so maybe I'll do that soon, but yeah, he's doing some great stuff in here, honestly, I can see him getting nominated, uh, for Oscar, I don't know if he's gonna win it, you know, uh, obviously the favorite is Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, but he does fucking, he does wonderful things, he's also got like a fucking crazy eye in this film, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how they did it, somebody maybe could let me know, because I haven't done my research. But it's like, um, I don't know if he wore a contact. 
Oh, they maybe maybe they use some digital stuff, but I felt I feel like that would probably be too expensive. But definitely recommend the holdovers if you're thinking about seeing it. As I said, good holiday film, heartwarming, and just you know takes it back. Listen, in the day and age that we're in, I I I've had this conversation about fucking superhero movies and all that shit, and it's not so much superhero movies, but there's such big movies that come out that are so like. Whether it's sequels or whether it's, you know, franchises or just fucking the the Hollywood machine, what they pump out sometimes is a little bit overwhelming. And I think as a, as a film fan, a lot of film fans miss those days of having those smaller kind of films. Um, and this is one of them. This is a this is the perfect example of what, you know, when people complain, you know, when you get like Martin Scorsese being like, ah, I think superhero movies are fucking uh, amusement park rides and shit like that. This is what he means because this is more of a film, you know, a film. But we're not going to get to that conversation again. Uh, definitely recommend the holdovers. As I said, it's at your fingertips on demand. And if you want to go check it out in theaters, if it's still playing. But let's move along to the other movie that I saw today, and that is Dream Scenario with Nicolas Cage. I mean, is that is that could that sell a movie right there? Dream Scenario, Nicolas Cage. That's all I need. Nicolas Cage, love him. I know he he's had his peaks and valleys in his career. Uh, uh, you know, his ups and downs. He's he's hammed it up. He's done a lot of strange movies, strange performances. He is an Oscar winner. Uh, but he's you know over the years he's kind of like at one point he was just felt like he was just doing anything, but now I feel like he's gotten to the point where he's doing movies you, he obviously wants to do. Uh, but yet again, versatile fucking guy. Could do comedy, could do drama, just such a great actor. Uh, and a lot of fun to watch, even when he's cheesing it up. You know, when you, you have two kinds of Nicolas Cage. You have the more straightforward Nicolas Cage, and then you have like the wild, hamming it up, screaming Nicolas Cage, face off, um, wild at heart. David Lynch, you know, just fucking bananas. If you haven't seen Wild at Heart, go watch that movie. Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. But Dream Scenario's got such a great concept. I remember seeing the trailers, uh, you know, whenever they premiered. And it was immediately on my to-watch list. Because it's basically, uh, people are dreaming about Nicolas Cage. He's a college professor, and people are dreaming about him. Random people, his students, people across the world. Everybody just starts dreaming of this guy. And feeling like, why the hell are we dreaming about him? And he gets famous off that. And there's some fun stuff that happens. I like this movie a lot. It was an hour and 40 minutes. And it's kind of like a dark comedy. You know, there's, there's a lot of comedy elements in this. There's a lot of stuff you're going to laugh at. Uh, Nicolas Cage's performance, I like it. He's talking. He's not talking so much as his his voice is a little bit different. There's a different twang in his voice. For the regular, I'm Nicholas Cage, you know, he's not really doing that. He's a little different. He's a little bit insecure. He's kind of this regular everyman, and people are having dreams about him. He doesn't know how to feel about it. Uh, and there's a lot of funny stuff that happens. The supporting cast: uh, you got Julian uh, Julian Nicholson, you got Michael Sarah, you got Tim Meadows popping up. Love me some Tim Meadows. Uh, obviously, an SNL alumni. Uh, a little, very well known for Mean Girls. Uh, I think he's the principal or whoever he is in that movie. Uh, you got Dylan Baker as well popping up in a small role. Good cast. This movie is produced by Ari Aster um, along with some other people, Nicolas Cage and some other producers on there. But Ari, Ari Aster obviously did um, 
Midsummer. Uh, recently did Bowie's Afraid um, and Hereditary. Now, I didn't really love Bowie's Afraid. This is kind of like, there's things in this film, and I even talked to my wife, we were leaving. There's things that reminded me a little bit of Bowie's Afraid in this film, but this is like a better version of that because this is a stronger movie. Uh, it's obviously a shorter movie because fucking Bowie's Afraid was three hours. Uh, and not not that they're really similar subject matter, but they, there's some elements that make you that reminded me of that movie. But this is obviously the one that I prefer over it. And the film is directed by Christopher Borgley. Uh, can't really see, haven't seen anything else he's done. But the production company for the film is, of course, A24. They're always doing wild, weird, independent stuff and horror and all that fun stuff. They did do Bo is Afraid, as well as Midsummer and Hereditary and recently what they do, the X and um, Pearl. They've done a ton of shit, right? I th- what did they do? Uh, Uncut Gems. They've done a bunch of shit. A24, The Lighthouse. They They do... There's a lot of different films that they tackle. I heard there recently, uh, they're going to try to get into more uh, box office kind of draw movies, uh, bigger films, franchises maybe. We'll see how that goes. They're you know known for those independent movies. But Dreams and Aries is a fun movie. Uh, it takes a little bit, not going to get spoilers, but it, it goes a little bit weird about halfway through. They do some stuff in there that I wasn't really expecting. Because when the movie first starts, it, it starts with some humor you start getting the Nicolas Cage dreams, and you're you're fucking into it because you see a Nicolas Cage doing wild things. He's a funny character in this movie, just the way he talks and the 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 way he approaches situations. And the cool thing is, every time somebody's telling like the dream, they show it, so you get to see the dream and you get to see Nicolas Cage doing whatever the hell he's doing in the dreams. And then as it goes on, it gets a little weird. Uh, it definitely gets a little weird in in a good way. I guess, but it stays pretty funny throughout. Uh, Michael Sarah, as I said, pops up. He's pretty funny in the role he's in. He's kind of basically trying to make a business out of this whole thing that's going on. Uh, as it goes on, though, there's some there's some things they they do, um, and and then it becomes a little bit more emotional towards the end. But I did like it, you know, because it's very goofy and it's a weird fucking movie. Overall, I definitely would watch it again. I'll probably pick it up when it comes out on Blu-ray, that along with the holdovers. But Dream Scenario, definitely recommend it. Fun. Fun movie. Strange. Original. An original idea, you know. There's only really a few dream movies that I could think of. Obviously, there's Inception. There's uh, Dreamscape, right? Is that the one? Dreamscape. There's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's it takes little elements of those things, obviously. And this is... Just a guy that pops up in people's dreams. But it's funny how, how it would affect. It, it, there's a little bit of satire in here, I think. There's a little bit of satire that, like, the way culture is and cancel culture and people being held uh, responsible for things they did and and what happens. They kind of play around with that a little bit later in the movie. And uh, it's it's funny. It's funny. It's just like you feel you're rooting for Nicolas Cage's character. Uh, at, at times, some people may turn against him, but I think it's a very uh, fun film. But yeah, Dream Scenario, The Holdovers, that's two good movies that I could recommend. I know there's um, Godzilla Minus One that just came out. I'd like to check that out at some point. I think they did some early screenings yesterday, and now it's out, so I'll probably see that soon. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much 
to talk about those two movies. I recently watched Oppenheimer again on uh, 4K. Finally got my 4K. I didn't want to fucking go. I had such a process getting that because it's been sold out everywhere. And I got one copy and it was scratched. And that was an absolute living hell for me. But I got a copy and I did watch it again. And fucking Oppenheimer's fucking... That movie's great, man. The pace on Oppenheimer, like just the pace of that three-hour movie, it really flies by. And I felt it I felt it a little bit the first time I watched it. But now watching it again, I'm like, shit, this is really like a fucking... It's impressive, because there's movies that are shorter than that, that feel like they go on fucking forever, uh, but they did a good job with that film, and uh, definitely recommend picking that up if you haven't seen it yet, but what else is going on? Uh, movie news, uh, movie, what else is coming out? I know they, I think there's a Furiosa trailer, the Mad Max fucking sequel, uh, Mad Max spinoff, whatever the hell. I'll check that out at some point, and also, to bring it back to Thanksgiving, which I talked about in the beginning of this episode, Thanksgiving 2 is a go. I just saw it as I was going into the theaters that Eli Roth has said that Thanksgiving 2 is happening. I'm excited about this. Uh, I enjoyed the first one. I think we could at least get a trilogy out of this. The character, John Carver, a lot of fun kills and stuff like that. And you can maybe expand on, on some other backstory. Make it, you know, kind of like a Scream kind of situation. You never know who the killer is. Might be somebody else in the mask. Uh, definitely recommend that. And on the tail end of that, can we just bring up Beetlejuice 2 again? Because Tim Burton released a photo on his Instagram where he was marking the completion of the filming of Beetlejuice 2, which I thought it was about a week ago that he actually did it, but I guess they didn't acknowledge it. Maybe they had some other stuff to do in a soundstage or whatever. But it's officially wrapped, and he put up a picture of himself in the classic Beetlejuice um, waiting room. Looks identical. You know, the set looks identical. And he's even holding a long number, like Beetlejuice had. So that's just my little tag at the end to keep the excitement for Beetlejuice 2 alive. I don't need to keep the excitement alive because I'm fucking excited. But it's happening. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll do a Christmas movie soon. I don't know. We'll see. Tomorrow I'm going to see fucking Kiss in New York, in Madison Square Garden, because it is the last two final shows of the legendary band Kiss. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, they're still doing it, but this is the final two shows. I'm going to check it out tomorrow, because it's fucking my birthday coming up, and it was a little, little birthday gift to myself, right, to go see Kiss. But yeah, I'll be back probably next week with some other movie-related content, but if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, welcome. This is it. This is the Movie Thoughts Podcast. Uh, I also do uh, some... Older movies from time to time, you can skim through, subscribe, like, rate, review, iTunes, Spotify, all that shit. Uh, check me out on TikTok, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Dom Solo Reels, where I post some stupid, funny videos from time to time. And also, if you're into the Rambo movies, I do another podcast with my friend Ryan, the It's a Long Road uh, Rambo series podcast, and that is a lot of fun, we're in the final Rambo movie, so it's kind of coming to an end, sadly, but you can check out those episodes, uh, and all the fun we have talking about Stallone, but that's it, uh, guys and gals, hope you have a good night, and thanks for listening.